0: for joining me on the fourth series of my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. As usual, we'll be covering all things that shape employee experience, that ultimately impact on engagement, performance and loyalty. Whether that's about leadership style, psychological safety, mental well-being, companies' impact on society, neurodiversity and so much more, there is something for everyone. I'm your host, Lisa. As a psychologist and psychotherapist in my business, It's Time for Change, I get to make a real difference in the world of people. Working with companies who want to be great, with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce, that's my thing. And that's what this podcast is all about. You know there's challenges and questions that can occupy your headspace. Perhaps working out how to support people, or how to develop a better way of working, or how to increase capacity while keeping people on your side. Well, I'm your soundboard, problem and picker, and guide to doing things that ultimately increase employee happiness. My mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. So let's dive in. The very fabulous and energetic Amanda Page, founder of Change Tempo, is sitting with me today with your biggest smile ever, <laughs> as, as always. Um, and I'm happy to remind myself, Amanda, that this is a podcast yes and not a um to say one of our fun collaborative conversations that can end up in us where you snorting and me just giggling yes so, exactly. we've done it we've done some of that before we hit record where <laughs> we tried to solve the world's problems exactly in <laughs> 10 minutes um we are actually in fact discussing a very important topic today of change um which is hugely relevant to everyone in life and but we're going to be focusing today on the work context and how to help companies think about it and become more aware of it. So thank you very much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you very much, Lisa. It's an absolute pleasure and an honour, and thank you for inviting me Mm. along to have this great conversation with you. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Pleasure. I'm actually um, feeling a bit dismayed that you, you set a challenge just now. We both decided that we're feeling a bit flat today and we're just running out of energy. And we said like, let's, before we hit record, let's just go and grab coffees. You set me the challenge of who was first back to their desk. <laughs> and I was feeling very smug that despite my dodgy ankle, I made it back first. And then you appeared with chocolates and
1: I, <laughs> I got distracted.
0: It's not bad at half 10 in the morning. Anyway, <laughs> um, so we've worked together for a number of years. Uh, kind of collaboratively I can't even speak now collaboratively with clients but also bringing each other's expertise into our yeah. own clients and we've worked with a whole range of industries from um the NHS to recruiters in the world of finance um, and other things in between so we know each other really well mm-hmm. um my listeners don't necessarily know you really well so tell them a little bit more about your company and how you came to specialize in change as well right
1: okay um thank you well um how i came to specialize in change was after a long a long career in the technology industry where i had roles in learning and development um organizational change uh, and i set up a global change management center of excellence for uh, sales operations but also with customer loyalty um, so I was speaking with clients, understanding their experience of products and services, and being able to then close the loop with account managers, helping them to you know, engage the client and, and give them a, a reason to call. So I think that closing of the loop was, was, was really important. But what I, what I realised from that was that there is one common theme that links all of these three experiences – and you know, learning and development is something that is an emotional commitment that we have. We want to improve ourselves. We're we're, we're aspiring to, to to be better than we are, and learning and development is a commitment that we that we take um, in order to improve our career prospects and improve how we um, engage with our clients and and so on and so forth. So it's an important piece. And with change, that is an emotional, highly emotional. has a a highly emotional impact on us and also the desire to change or not is an an emotional um, uh, respect uh, uh, response and then when it comes to customer loyalty the reason why we buy has an emotional connection to it it's it has an aspirational element and um and, and so that really shaped what I'm doing today. So as a coach and a, a, a change expert, I now help leaders um, accelerate change and lead change and transformation with um, successfully with their teams and, 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 and individuals. Because to me, change is a career-defining moment for a leader. There's a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of exposure. And it's about protecting the reputation or our reputation so it's important to get it right Mm. it's like your mantra get the people right you get the business right Mm. and and i agree with that you get the people right you get the change right so um so this is what i've been focusing on so i provide coaching research uh and voice of the employee i run workshops with leaders to help them align teams so um it, it it's it's really varied depending on what the client wants but most of the work that I do it has a change context to
0: mm. it and I love what you said about um kind of the emotional aspect of everything that we do because you know whether you know you talk about the L&D emotional commitment and customer loyalty and so on and actually reminds me of um a talk I was putting together yesterday for a conference I'm speaking at um about psychology of behavior uh, in a particular industry and we know that signals like the messages in our brain travel faster, the emotional loops, and they do the logical loops, which is kind of that keep us safe, make sure that there's no risk involved. We want we want those messages to get to the right bit of our brain pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So actually if we can tap into that and we can connect with the emotional response people have to whatever is going on in their environment. Yes. Then that's what motivates people. And I think that's the bit that a lot of people miss. And when I'm working with people and I'm wearing my psychotherapy hat, you know, a lot of people can talk the talk. They can do the talking about, well, of course, I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. And, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and come with a plan. But unless they emotionally engage with it, There's that, as soon as they they leave the room, it's like, oh, actually, you know what, I'm not sure if I can do that. Or it doesn't, they don't feel it. And if you don't feel it, it's not so likely to happen, is it?
1: No. Yeah, it's finding that motivation.
0: Mm.
1: You know, so yes, I've got the desire to change.
0: Mm.
1: But, um, you know, what's my real motivation for doing it?
0: Mm. Um, And I think a bit like, um, you know, the whole change the world of change and uncertainty, those two terms for me feel a little bit like where we're at with terms like mental health and well-being. They're so, they've been so used so frequently in recent years, and many people are just feeling a bit blase about them now, a bit like, yeah. I know it, I've heard it so many times, or oh, we just have to get on the real work now. Yeah. We've been and done that bit, we've done the kind of empathy bit and yeah, isn't it hard? And now we just need to crack on um but actually you know as you and I were discussing before we um started recording the conversation there's almost that sense of that energy level just being really flat because there's been so much happening and yet a lot continues to happen it might just be that it feels less indirectly impactful it is actually impactful but we are not necessarily being told you have to stay at home or this is how your job's changing or whatever so we but it's still we are still in that position where we just feel that sense of exhaustion and okay. just you know well again burnout mm-hmm. is another term that's so overused but just flat energy and that's something you and I are reflecting on as soon as we joined our call today
1: yeah absolutely I think the world has changed you know the environment has changed around us and I think what COVID and the pandemic has proved that you know crisis change is is possible a lot of organizations found themselves to be very agile and suddenly implementing emergency procedures uh, to enable people to work from home on the premise that when the pandemic is over then we'll just go back to normal Mm. and everybody will come back into the office and I've worked with leaders who uh, and don't get me wrong I'm not Sort of bashing leaders, but I have worked with leaders that have sort of said, "Well, actually, I just thought we were going to just return back to normal." But the reality is that isn't the case. The world is different. It's not a new normal because I don't think new normals are getting a chance to bed in. There's constant <laughs> uncertainty, con- constant um, uh, you know disruption that we're trying to navigate. Mm. So no, the world isn't the same. So. It's difficult to just assume that people are going to go back to to working how they were mm. physically and mentally. Mm. Um, I don't want to get get onto a downer, but if you look at what's happening in the sort of the, the health services, you know, especially outside of hospital, many people that I spoken to are considering, that, you know, I don't want to put my pay. You know, I don't want my parents to go into a care home. I want to be able to look after them here. Mm-hmm. So all those life decisions about, us, okay, how are we going to make that happen?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think, you know, HR, I feel for HR. I think they are really struggling at the moment to navigate how they manage this transition back into um, a, a way that works for both employers and employees so that the, you know, the power dynamic kind of gets leveled out again. and mm-hmm. and And I think it's about, coming to more of a partnership rather than employers feeling that, oh, you're part of the family. Well, the reality is they're not part of the family, but let's Mm. try. What I would think is wouldn't it be great if we saw our employers as our clients Mm. and that we had that equal relationship where you were both the employer and the employee were invested in each other's success in that way. It's kind of a different psychological contract. I know I'm going off piste a little bit, but I think there's a lot that's changed, and we're still trying to navigate what what that means Mm. for how we work. And then you've got AI creeping in and machine learning creeping in left field, and everyone's
0: going, "What?" I know, I know, and it's and it's um, all this stuff is creeping, and you've got the stuff that's very glaringly obvious, and then you've got stuff that it's like the ripples that are going on, and you know you know that those waves are going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. And I I think you know you say about HR um and leaders actually it's just that and managers it's that sense of just who's looking after them trying to work yeah. all out because they are also subject to the same level of um exhaustion and not knowing not having confidence that what they're doing is necessarily right because they haven't done it before um I think it's a bit like you know when you when you go on a holiday or something, I I, I don't work in a lot of the um, school holidays because I'm often at camp with the kids. Um, when you get to that sense of having a holiday, you you spend the first few days just being utterly exhausted just because you have just been going at such a pace beforehand. Yeah. And it's almost like we've got through a storm and everyone started this year with that there is so much still going on that's not right Um but everyone's just exhausted from what's gone before they haven't got the ability to to pick that back up that energy level back up and and kind of get back on it before they they then look at the next set of challenges um yeah. and i know today we're going to touch on uh resilience and and so on as well because that's all part of this um yes. so why why do you think the focusing on change is so important like why should we be sort of reminding leaders very clearly that they they really have to take this seriously
1: well i think for the first time <clears throat> organizations and, and leaders are, are, are viewing that are experiencing the fact that the people side of change is something that needs to be more that there needs to be more focus on i think up until not up until but i think their relationship between you know People understanding their role in the in in the change or in the transformation or in the transition would be more of compliance. So they'd be complying and going, yeah, OK, so you've asked me to do this. Yeah, I'll do that. <clears throat> and um, now I think what's happening where people are sort of saying, well, actually, you know, they, they, they seem to be taking more ownership of what, on what they feel they want to do and what they don't want to do. Hence, people resisting coming back to work. Mm. the the great resignation the mm. power dynamic has, has definitely shifted so I think now more than ever is the opportunity to give equal balance to the what's changing right the tool the process the structure the reorg the working from home these days working from you know whatever that change is with the who's changing so the emotion the politics the rituals uh, the way that we've always done things around here, um, uh, people's emotional reaction to the change. I think now that now more than ever, that's where we need to be focusing, where leaders need to be focusing equally with the what's changing and the how you're going to get there. So the journey, the milestones, the celebrations. The um, and I think those three elements of leading change have to be focused on equally. And I'll give you an example. I was if i may Hmm. please do Um, we like examples
0: (laughs) um
1: i i had a a client coaching client and uh he said um to me i said so what would you like to talk about today and he said well he said i've we i introduced this major change um to the company about two weeks ago um He said, but my team's still coming back and asking me questions. And I took everybody through the presentation that I was given by, you know, the change, the corporate change team. And um, I presented what was going on, why we were doing it now and so on and so forth. But they still keep asking me questions. Or if I ask them questions about it, they sort of look at me blankly. It's like they don't they haven't heard what I've what I've told them. So I said, okay. I said, well, may I show you something? So I showed him a model called The Change Cycle um, by uh, Lily Brock and Anne Salerno. Highly recommend if you uh, have the opportunity to, um, to read it. But basically, it's got six predictable and sequential stages of change that we all go through. So stage one is loss. Stage two is doubt. Stage three, discomfort stage four discovery stage five understanding and stage six integration and i'm sure we can add an image of this Mm -hmm. when when the podcast is released so i showed him this image and i said when you look at this tell me what stage you're in and he said well i'm in understanding you know i'm confident about what needs to be done and i think you know there's an opportunity for us to get productive and you know, some plans in place that we can start moving. And I said, OK, great. I said, what is it that makes you at stage five and not at any other stage? And he said, well, you know, I've got the presentation and I presented it to them. We've had leadership team meetings about it and we've all scheduled when we're going to do this. And we've had uh, global, you know, an all hands, leadership, all hands. And it was all announced then. I said, OK, great. So you, I said, so you've had some time to think about it, process it, get used to what, What it was all about. Clarify your understanding. Ask questions. And he sort of said, and you can see his face going, "Oh my god, I can see where she's going with it." And 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 uh, he said, "Yeah, I I guess I've spent a little bit more time on it than (laughs) the others." I said, "Okay, well, when you look at that that model, and you take each of your team members, where would you place them?" And he went, "Ah, okay." He said, "Well, I've definitely got two in loss." he said because they're very cautious they don't seem to be moving on mm. he said i've definitely got one in doubt because he's being a real pain in the proverbial and he's really sort of pushing back
0: mm.
1: and then i've got someone in discomfort who's just all over the place you know they're confused mm. mm. and he said now i get he said i now i get it amanda that they you know they're trying to process it mm. And I think that really landed with him. So what he did, he took this image and he introduced it into his team and he introduces it, talks about it every time they have a conversation about the change so that he can measure uh, um, in his own mind where people are. But also people can say, I'm on this journey, I'm here, but I know that I'm going to experience a little bit more discomfort, but eventually I'm going to get to this stage. And I think when change happens to us, it's like being chucked in the middle of nowhere without the right clothes, mm. without the protective equipment and without a map, you know, and, and that's what I love about the change cycle. It gives people a map to say, I'm here today, but I know I'm going to get to mm. stage six. Mm. Um, so that, that that is why people are responsible for the success of the project because without people you're not going to get the what's changing done mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to have everybody go
0: along on that journey. And that example is such a good one in terms of highlighting, I think, the biggest challenge when people are introducing any change, yeah. when they, the person driving it assumes everyone else is in the same car as them on that journey. Yeah. And it you're like, mm, some of them just haven't got in and some of them are actively walking away from you. So you can plough on regardless with your plan, but you're not going to get people at the end point. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're going to have massive fallout on the way. And just the aggro, the the amount of stress that causes for everyone involved, the extra work, the, you know, the when people say, oh, we haven't got time to invest in you know spend time having conversations and you know we've got this really fast-paced you know this is our action plan this is our timeline we've got to do this by then and then you're like whoa whoa, just you've got to you've got to build in that space you've got to help people get actively engaged with it they're not passive in that process if you just deliver a plan and they just you know, right, we're off. It's like, that's not how it works. And when people think about it, it's really obvious, but people don't think about the emotional investment. It's all about, well, we're at point A, we need to get point B. How do we get there? Here's the problem. Yeah, time, (laughs) you know, time plan. And it's just, yeah. So really interesting that disconnect and and knowing that once you've worked out um, where people are and recognise that they're all different places, you can then look at, how do you get them from that stage to the next stage and knowing yeah. that you have to go through those stages you can't get them from you know being a stage one jumping up to stage right. five to join you they've, they've got to ex- you know you've got to expect people to go through these stages yes. and be patient with that and normalize that rather than getting yes. frustrated by it
1: yes and you're absolutely right and I think this isn't a negotiation mm. I think that's a sort of a good thing to, to sort of remember this is not about negotiation you know, if you can do this, then I will do this. This is about you setting, being absolutely clear about expectations and direction because people need that. They need to know where we're going, why we're going there, you know, what would happen if we didn't. And I think it's important for leaders to share confidently, these are my expectations of this journey. Now let's talk about where you are Mm. and and being able to say to, to individuals, at an individual level you are huge value to the team we're going through huge amounts of change this is our desired state and this is where i see your strengths today and this is where i see your potential but also i see that there is opportunity for you to to do more because i've noticed that when you're doing this you kind of light up it looks sounds like you know to me you look really energized so maybe there's something there we could look at in the context now if if one of my managers and and one or two did i have to say in my career had sat down and had a conversation with me like that and told me about how they appreciated what i do they could see my value they noticed my strengths they noticed where i lit up they noticed where there were areas that I could do develop, you've got me. I'm in because we all need to be seen,
0: mm.
1: and if we're not seen, we don't exist. So we've got these kind of people that don't feel that they exist, that they really exist in the organisation because their attributes and what the value that they bring is just not being recognised. They're the conversations that if you invest early on, it's it's more work up front but you're reducing Mm. the amount of work that it will take Mm. in the long run because it helps to accelerate if you've got people engaged nothing can stop you they're not engaged they'll be going oh should I start looking updating my CV Mm. I'm not sure I want to be here this is what it
0: comes back to that sense of purpose isn't it if everyone shares excitement around what it is we're doing and what we're trying to achieve and you have open conversations about we haven't done this before so we don't really know how it's completely going to map up we can't plan yeah. you know we've got the route we don't know what the scenery is going to look like no. we don't know about what the way like. <laughs> and, yeah, and all the rest of it we don't, we don't know what it's gonna be like but um we know where we're heading and we're going to just make sure we're looking out for each other and mm-hmm. asking people up front what are your concerns what right now what is your biggest worry what's front of mind because actually as soon as we know that so many of those things that come up for people that the senior uh guys involved in the in the process can say that's not a problem oh let me explain that to you yeah. but it's all the little things that yes. we worry about that actually have really simple answers or if we if they don't have a simple answer it's that case well we're not sure about that, but let me reassure you. And it's if we yeah. don't fill those gaps with a level of "I've you've been heard, you've been understood, um, here's the factual information. If we don't know, we're going to find it out. Um, worst case scenario, X, Y, or Z. If you don't provide the information, people's brains, their, their imagination, which is our most misused resource that we <laughs> have in our brains, will fill it for, for themselves. Yeah. And that's where you then... End up having all the problems with everyone saying, "Gosh, this is going to happen," and what about that? And and all the rumors start, and suddenly you get everyone focusing on stuff that's just not going to happen. We don't have yeah. to worry about. It's a huge amount of energy um being focused in the wrong place. Yeah. So I love those frank conversations.
1: I, I totally agree. Sometimes there's a misconception that these kinds of conversations. Are a little bit sort of wishy-washy, fluffy, pink and fluffy, um, um but there are going to be employees that do not want to change, and they don't want to be part of it, and that's a different conversation. Um, but I, uh, so I think it's important that that leaders feel empowered to to be forthright
0: mm.
1: when necessary because like you say when change happens to people we go into this kind of freakout moment whereby we're making up all these fears mm. or making up all this doom and gloom in our mind as a leader you sometimes have to turn around and say this is real and this is going to happen and we are moving from where we are today and we are moving from where you know let's talk about where you where you are in with this and have that opportunity to say, are you in?
0: Yeah. Um, and you get that commitment. People are often yeah. fr- afraid of that. I've, I have yeah. so many conversations with people about questions that they're afraid of asking. I'm like, just ask it. They're like, but what if? Like, but at least you know what you're dealing with. It's out there yeah. on the table. And then you can have a really good conversation to deal with it. If you don't ask it, the answer is still there. It's just under the surface and affecting yeah. everything they do and everything they communicate. You just haven't got a chance to do anything with it.
1: Yes. And if, if someone says, yes, I'm in, the next question is, OK, so how can I help you? Yeah. We've agreed you're in, I'm in. What can I do to support you? Wow. OK, well, feeling a little. Bit, OK, so maybe we just need to meet once a week, just check in, see how things go. And that's fine. Whatever that is, you know, or I need more information. But I do want to <laughs> I do want to talk about my because I've just remembered that wonderful. <laughs> um three reasons why people resist change. I know you know this because we've talked about it before, but a gentleman called Rick Maurer wrote a book called Beyond the Wall of Resistance. And he said there are three reasons why people resist. Um, One is or resist change. So the first one is they don't get it. So they genuinely do not understand what you're trying to do. So it could be a change, an idea or whatever, a proposal. So there are sorts of questions. And then when they've got the information they need to get that right yeah i get it i'm in or i get it i'm out yeah not for yeah. me thank you a bit dragons denny uh, uh. and um the second one is i don't like it so when you don't like when they don't like it they view it as a threat either to their reputation or the area that they're responsible for they might sense oh they're encroaching on my turf um or it's it's a threat to me in some way and then the third reason is I don't like you or who you represent so you could say oh you know it's the management or it's that lot in marketing or it's that lot in sales Mm -hmm. or you could remind them of somebody at school that or a teacher or you know there could be plenty of reasons but people who who don't like it and don't like you or who you represent will never tell you to your face well maybe some might but it's it's rare because they don't want to hurt your feelings um so what they'll do is they'll masquerade as somebody who doesn't get it and they will keep asking questions and they'll be sending you off on a wild goose chase to get more information and then you keep coming back and they go yeah but you know what i really don't understand and then off you go and then you come back and and i've had this experience myself in my early years in change so i this is a true example <laughs> of of my experience yeah. well, they're all true examples but this is mine and um and I'm going, oh my god this you know all the other managers got it this lady's intelligent she should know what it why are we going backwards and forwards so i just sort of put put everything to one side and i said to her look i you know, appreciate that we've been in two or three meetings i've got all the information that i could possibly provide you and i know that you still have a lot of questions but maybe there's something else so i don't want to talk about the change i just want to know and understand um you know what the biggest challenge or issue that you have because it's important that i understand and if i understand we can work on that um if i don't understand i'm sort of firing blanks or firing you know in the air but also maybe there's an opportunity here for us to agree how we can work together and how we can enable each other's success and how we can find a happy you know some happy medium but I'm really curious to know what what are your biggest concerns and then she went sure I can tell you Um, you know I think what you're doing is going to disrupt what I'm doing with my team um, you know, we've got our standards in place. You're promoting sort of global standards for change. And I don't think, you know, I think it'll be disruptive for my team. And I said, fantastic. Anything else? So that could be the right reason. There might be a real reason. And um, and she said, no, no, I just don't want to have to upheaval all of my procedures. Because you. I said, well, thank you for showing that. I can promise you that this is not about you changing your process this is a standard approach that people could leverage if they wanted it Mm. and there may be content available that you could use in your team there may be content that you could share with us so that we can share your best practice around the world And, Mm. and then we had this wonderful conversation but up until that point she even invited me along to to share with her team talk about something that they hadn't considered and we started to work really well but there was an element of respect there between us as well
0: but, but that's also then about you you were you were tuning into the the whole person you're engaging with so not just what the words were. Yeah. I think it's really and I think that level of awareness again, that's a requirement of managers, leaders to be able to step off that speedy, you know, train that's going that way train, like yeah. a million miles an hour, and actually say, right. I just need to read the whole person here. I need to read the situation. I need to get a handle on the situation. And actually I might hear the words coming out of this, of this person's mouth and they're saying the right thing, but their body language or just something yeah. doesn't fit right. And I often you know, get people to just like, listen to your instinct. Like, what is it? If you, if you take time to focus on the person as a whole, what is it that you're really feeling? Are they, do they feel, do you kind of believe that they're on board? And I think yeah. when you have this really, frank conversations like that and I'll have them sometimes if I'm working with people and they're just they're not achieving what they want to be achieving and we're like forget the planning minute tell me what's really going on because what's coming out of your mouth and I said this to a person earlier this week <laughs> what's coming out of your mouth is not matching what I'm seeing in your body they're like oh and then we had the conversation about yeah well actually I don't feel this or I don't, and it's like and then you get to the the heart of where you yeah. need to focus it's such a good example Amanda
1: yeah oh it was it was fun and games i was thinking what am i what's going on here and um and i think the interesting thing is that when you have an idea so this goes for you know you have a proposal you have an idea you're leading change it's it's perfectly normal for people to resist mm. we will resist change ourselves mm. so we're not immune to to that leaders aren't immune to it but um but typically what happens we present something and someone goes mm, not sure about that so our defenses go up and we go on the attack so we push our agenda harder and harder because we think if we can push through that resistance um and then they they return so, so you end up with this stalemate where you're pushing they're resisting you're pushing they're resisting and i think when you you feel you know when that's happening and it's that whole piece of awareness to say, whoa, 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 let's stop this boxing match. Let's just put everything to one side and like you say, lean in uh to 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 what's going on.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, that ties in, you know, when you look at the cost of not focusing on the change. Yes. Actually, um, you know, by not getting that that change piece right in terms of people we yes. have huge problems because if you've got um you know managers leaders kind of driving this change and actually some of them might not be on board with themselves they've just been told yes. they've got to <laughs> deliver um so they're they're driving this change and then so they're very much stuck in their camp. they've got this thing they've got to achieve and then you've got um employees who are feeling very resistant obviously to be expected and then that sense of emotional arousal going up and like you just described it becomes a boxing match I was just yeah. I was drawing a picture last week to explain to some people like you got you know your manager leader's amygdala firing yes. in their brain going this feels like a threat like I've oh, got this resistance coming back I don't like it I feel under fire so my emotional yeah. arousal has gone up which means that my amygdala rather than having being able to have empathy and see the big picture and um it be able to communicate well and, and all the rest of it it just focuses on the problem. So literally you've just got like a laser on the problem. And then you've got these employees who all their amygdalas are firing off going, this feels really threatening to everything I know and feel secure and safe with. Um, I don't like it. Therefore my emotional balance has gone up and my my amygdala is also now shut down from looking at the big picture and the benefits of the organisation and everything else. I've now got my laser on the problem. And suddenly you have this just, this awful situation where people are, are literally just defending themselves and ending up in a kind of an attack of their brains are literally just um in that that mode of self protection and fighting back and we have to if, if people are on that journey in that place it's going to be a disaster whereas actually when we can help people understand that it's going to feel it's going to feel really hard it's going to feel tough is change is not pleasant it's not easy um I mean it obviously can be pleasant it can be really exciting and so on but for a lot of people it feels threatening so to actually almost go be part of the change process is about helping people become self-aware how do they know their emotional arousal is going up how do they know they're beginning to feel a bit defensive what do they need to do when they notice those signs so rather than just holding on to it and letting that kind of fester and you know manifest into something bigger actually what do I need to do well I need to go and speak to so and so and just work out you know ask a question or yeah. I need to say I'm just feeling a bit on edge right now or just accept that no I'm actually fearful of getting something wrong because I've been asked to do something different and I don't know how to do it I'm I'm worried about that so I need to go and ask for some help but just being able to tune have that self-awareness being able to tune in yeah. and being able to kind of reduce that um just the emotional load for everyone involved
1: well, I agree I think that's a really good way of looking at it because people won't move on until they feel safe.
0: Mm.
1: And I know it's not not safe, but Mm. safe to do so that, um, you know, they can take that step and and, and start sort of processing it. But I think the, uh, I found some figures uh, recently by Forbes. Uh, There was some research done by Forbes and they said that, you know, 62% of us, so let's not, let's not talk about of employees, I think 62% of everybody don't like leaving their comfort zone. You know, we, um, we highly ritualize our lives and we highly schedule our lives so that we can live you know we have to juggle many things we have appointments we have our work to do we have commitments and responsibilities to our loved ones and um, we have to help them organize their world so our world not just work but our whole world work is just one element is scheduled to the hilt a bit of dancing there but it's scheduled to the hilt um and We want to keep fit. We want to get into nature. We want to go to the gym. We want to have fun with friends. We want to go on holiday. We want to work. We want to prepare for our pension. And that's our comfort zone because our structure gives us comfort Mm. and safety. And as soon as change comes, i.e., Lisa, you're no longer going to be... um, working no one's allowed to work from home anymore um whether you're an employee or whether you're uh, self-employed the government said everybody has to get out of the house and go to you know one of these shared offices or go into the offices because uh, whatever that is
0: mm.
1: so now you know how are those
0: who are listening amanda yeah. has just sworn but well. i'm lip reading <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just a swear word. what the flipping hell mm. is going on how am i going to now adjust all my schedule mm. and adjust my life to get it back into some form of, of calm again mm. and our our ancestors need placed as much importance on our ability to um be in harmony mm you know having those rituals and schedules and enables us to to have harmony in our lives and social connection they placed as much on that importance on that for survival as they did for hunting and and creating shelter um and I was reminded this morning actually of my hairdresser who was telling me a story not my hairdresser but the hairdresser that (laughs) comes to comes to our house to do mine and my other half's hair and he was telling me a story that a mum and his and her daughter went to, to his house to, to get their hair done and he said all day they were going are you all right joe yeah yeah i'm all right mum thanks and then about five minutes later joe would say are you all right mum yeah everything all right yes yes and they were sitting next to each other and that's all that they did they were checking in on each other all everything all right like he's going you're here you can see each other but there was that emotion that Mm. caring and emotional aspect of how you doing you all right Mm. and and I think that sort of sense of wanting to check in with people wanting to make sure they're you know they're well and that they're feeling okay and that they're and not, not and things. not
0: saving that for your formal one-to-one each time. For... <laughs> doing the informal just reaching yeah. out because I care and I think that you know that what mm. you just outlined in terms of that comfort and safety I think also it's just that need to um it's all about mental capacity as well like if we mm. you know we don't we've we do so much of our day is scheduled and um so much of what we do is subconscious like you know when you're thinking when you're in the car the number of times i've ended up kind of starting off on a similar you know a journey and then i'm almost on autopilot even though i meant to go somewhere completely different because you're just on you just do stuff automatically and that's necessary for our brains to be able to cope with the enormous amount of information that's thrown at us so we have to just do stuff automatically you know when people say did you lock the front door? I don't know. Did you lock the front door? Yeah. If start to consciously think about it. It's like oh, I don't know, but actually, you know, you will have done because it's it's a habit. So, yeah. we that's really important. And if we suddenly change any of those routines, any of the the norm that shapes our day, we add a load to our brains, and we only have a certain amount of capacity. And I that we have to acknowledge the fact that um, when people go through change their emotional arousal will go up anyway so if you're in your you know your optimal zone for performing really well and then suddenly there's a change coming along it's probably going to push you out of that great place to perform well into a level of stress you know might be I talk about the difference between stretch and stress but you might be stretched by a change and if you feel on board with it and you're engaged with it and so on yes it can stretch you but going into the stress is like a real red flag that's that's kind of place you do not want to be and we have to acknowledge that um, people going into that place, they are going to make far more mistakes. They are going to struggle just because the amount of mental noise they're carrying around with them. And there are some figures around, you know, carrying around a lot of mental noise can reduce your performance by up to eighty percent. It's significant. So we have to look at that. And we have to prevent people going into that red flag zone. But we also have to acknowledge that higher emotional arousal and change will cause people to make mistakes um, you know not do things as well maybe work a little bit slower whatever that is because our mental capacity is limited so actually normalize put that on the table as well and saying we know this is going to be really tricky we're not expecting you to get it all right when we know that um, you know what you've got on your agenda at the moment feels really full so let's look at how we can support you with that it's just normalizing the fact that emotionally we are going to feel overwhelmed and expecting there to be mistakes and almost giving people permission to feel however they feel and it to be okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. I think having that opportunity to talk about it, you know, just verbalising that can be hugely helpful Mm. You know, when you was talking about that sort of the imagined fears, or the grapevine starts to, you know, if 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 following an announcement to change things are left a little bit too long, then uh, you know it's like a fungi, mm,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> not fun guy, but a fun, it's like fungi, and um, things start to sort of percolate and you know get get a bit nasty, um, and. I sort of have a dream that, you know, wouldn't it be great if when leaders or when we announce change to a team, um, we don't end, and I'm, I'm sort of stereo, not stereotyping, but typically what happens is the leader has their pack. As I mentioned earlier, the leader's got the pack to introduce the change. People actually stop listening as soon as they hear, I want to tell you about a change. That's the point at which people stop listening. Mm. And that is why he had lots of questions from people, because they yeah. stopped listening at that point because they were thinking, right, I need to adjust, I need to speak to speak to my partner to say, right, they they need to take on this bit so I can, you know, mm-hmm. we're starting to work out our new schedule. Um and usually the passing comment or the end of the presentation will be look i'm just letting you know there's there's nothing that we need to do at the moment as soon as i've got any more information i will let you know um so just business as usual and then i'll let you know when i've got an update well the reality is it's not business as usual because now everybody's exploded yeah metaphorically Mm. um And uh, they're trying to work out how they're going to, and then they start talking to each other and gossiping. And and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great that if leaders did that announcement, shared the information and said, this time next week, we're going to have a morning session. We're not going to cram it in as part of a team meeting. We're going to have a dedicated session, three hours. And this will give you time to look at the information, absorb it, think about what questions you might have. You know, if you see any challenges or even opportunities that might help us
0: mm.
1: make this a success. Or if you've got ideas about how we can work together to ensure that this is successful for our team. Forget mm. How are we going to make it successful for our team? Where you think the sticking points are going to be? What things do we need? Give them something mm. to activate their frontal lobe. The okay. executive brain but not disregard the emotional side mm. and say bring with you your challenges your concerns your, f- your fears about this and we'll work through it but mm. a, th- a good proper mm. three-hour session and then we'll our goal is we'll come out of that session mm. with you know a different you know a way that we can commit to and work to and we can work out a cadence of, of how that's going to happen because People just left hanging it's it's horrible you know there needs to be that follow-up
0: and it's you know when listening to you explaining and describing that for me the words going around in my head were something you and I talk a lot about is um the difference between change management versus change leadership Uh, yes (laughs) (laughs) tell tell me what comes to your mind when you hear that because because even when when we talk with clients and they start to want change management. You're like, nope, <laughs> we're not uh, doing that. We're doing we're doing change leadership. What's yeah. the difference for you, Amanda? Right. Well, change
1: change leadership is at the local level. It's what leaders do to be able to enable the change to to happen. Um, and they they're leading those three elements. They 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 they're managing the execution of what's changing, i.e. the tool, the process, and the and mm. so on. Um, and then and they're creating with their team, like I just talked about the journey that we're all going to go on, how we're going to work together and what happens if we fail, and how we can use that as an opportunity to be creative and so on. And then there's the people side, the emotion and commotion side. That's leading change. Change management is the engine, normally at the project level, that um actually mo immob- mobilizes the organization to make the change happen so it's the change management plan the project plan it's all the gubbins that go with those the stakeholder analysis the impact analysis the as is to Bs, the the change risk assessments the financial mm. the, you know, this is the sponsor of the project uh, the key stakeholders who you need to get on board that's all done mm. at the high level project level um very complex swim lanes and uh, all that larky. Uh, and and to me that's managing the ch- or change management
0: uh,
1: change leadership is what you do at a local level and they're the skills I know are missing uh, we give managers change management training so we talk about change management but we don't talk about le- change leadership we don't teach people at school How to be, um, how to have a healthy relationship with change. Mm. We live by the saying "no pain, no gain," Um, so we expect change to be painful. Not everybody does, but it depends. If you're instigating change yourself, then it's exciting. But when change is being done to you, it's threatening. Mm. That's um, kubler Ross Mm. Mm. said that um so there's i think there's a big a gap for leaders to see them to see themselves as leaders of change which is part of their identity as a leader i think they see change as as a snap-on or an Mm add-on oh here we go we've got something that's going to it's going to disrupt our rituals and our schedules you know um so that's where the gap is
0: Yes. and i think it's it's a really important distinction to make isn't it and i think yes. um organisations need to have quite a frank conversation with themselves with you know within their leadership teams about what they actually want when they're seeking help to support them with that change because i know you know you and i have had experience of leading uh supporting leadership teams to lead Quite significant change and that's all yeah. about you know getting the voice of the employees and um you know setting up working groups and identity you know kind of lots and lots of like really getting stuck in yes and then you've got other companies who want more of a bolt-on want more of a off the shelf come in do it for us or do it to us because we just want to get through it Yeah, and they don't want to invest the energy and the effort but without that energy and the effort Whatever you do is not going to work longer term because you yeah. haven't got everyone's buy-in. You haven't got everyone um, committed to being part of whatever's happening next. Yeah. So, it's, so it's a really important distinction to make. And I think you know a number of conversations I've had with um, people recently, whether they're L and D directors or HR directors or or whoever they are, and they're they're faced with the like I've got a challenge that's been dumped on my desk. Like great. <laughs> I've got to introduce this change in the organisation, but I know our leadership team aren't aren't all on board. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. people who just have been here for a long time. They don't like the idea of change, that it's it's necessary. Um, There are lots and lots of different reasons that you've, and you've covered quite a few of those today anyway. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. It's just such a, it can feel really overwhelming. What, What would be your advice to those people in terms of when you know that one individual goes to work one day is like huh here's your next challenge um about how to think about just leading change where's where a good starting point for them to you know to get to, to get to grips with
1: well i think uh, like you're saying at that point the human stress response <laughs> is activated mm. and um you know, sort of being able to be aware of that and understand it is really important and taking time out. Mm. I, for me, it's conversation, conversation, conversations. Mm. If you feel confident enough, that it's about building confidence as a leader to be able to have conversations with people that uh, that he feel may not be supportive, but actually validate that. Mm. And then go, you know, talk about... How can we work together? Mm. I think hierarchy is, is a very, a very um, or this perspective of hierarchy is very limiting as to what's possible. And often when I'm in coaching sort of my leaders or people that are looking to advance their career, there's a very passive, sub, subservient kind of attitude going on here. And when I say to people that they're interviewing for a job, you're interviewing for a job you're interviewing for a new manager Mm. you know it's your job to determine the 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 skills and your ideal manager rather than you know it's a partnership you've got Mm. as much responsibility in deciding whether or not this is the right job for you Mm. as the manager has in deciding whether or not you're the right person for the job You, you know you have to take that ownership we're all humans. No one may be more senior in role, but they're not more senior than you as a person. Mm. We all do the same things, mm. and um, and I think that's an attitudinal, a confidence thing where you can say, "Look, this has landed. Here are my concerns. Here is where I think there are opportunities. This is a plan. Some ideas. I want to talk it talk it through with you. Take that." ownership mm. to have conversations with people rather than festering on it mm. and going and, and then presenting this half the wrong word not full commitment with half commitment to your mm. team they'll mm. they'll sniff it out like a mm. as um as judge rinder would say you know sniff it out like a fight in a lift but they you know you're <laughs> our bodies are big microphones yeah and, uh, yeah speakers people yeah. will pick up yeah that we're half-hearted on this and and i've heard a lot of leaders and sort of say well i've got this coming got this change coming through you know we're not really you know not a lot of leaders yeah. are really up for it so i'm just just letting you know what's going on and people go all oh, right okay then
0: and of course, your mirror neurons, everyone's kicking yeah. up then, aren't they? It's like, <laughs> oh, look at them. <laughs> and he just yeah. think you how you um show up, you know, sometimes it is a bit of an acting role. And I know I actually had a really interesting <laughs> conversation last week about how does that fit with being authentic? But that's another conversation. We haven't got time to pick that. Yeah, I thought that. that. Yeah. There's authenticity, but there's also that sense of I might feel the weight of this on my shoulder. I might be slightly um anxious about it for whatever reason but actually I need to um share a level of excitement with my team if I go in really flat and go, oh you're never gonna guess what we've got to do now and it's gonna be really hard work and so you know you're setting the expectation of it's gonna feel really flat and really really tricky yes. and it's and you can you can have the frank conversations that we've discussed today and acknowledge is going to be challenging but still in quite an upbeat way like we're all in it together we're going to look after each other yeah. um let's let's really put it out on the table what's going on and you know you it's your level of energy is so so important um and I know sometimes you because I'm also conscious of time Amanda I one thing I wanted to ask you about which I think fits with all this is storytelling yes and in terms of uh you know the level of energy in terms of overcoming resistance in terms of flattening hierarchies in terms of kind of bringing all that together I know one of the things that you like to do is to talk about the story yes tell us a yeah, little yeah. bit more about that
1: this is something I um we used a lot when I was in in corporate um and um I think it was um part oh, I can't remember the name now, but it was part of a famous um guy who wrote a book. <laughs> sounds really weak. But um <laughs> he, he, uh, we adopted this change um story approach. And um I use it with with managers today and th- th- they like it for two reasons. They like it because it gives them a structure within which to formulate you know a, a communication about you know, what, what's changing, why are we doing it, why are we doing it now, and why why didn't we do it last year, or why aren't we doing it next year? Um, you know, what's it going to look like, what's the timelines, um, who's it going to impact, how's it going to impact, and this is what you can do, and so on. Um, and so it gives you the sort of the framework to create a story, But it, it, which is helpful, but it's what you do with it after that. There's no point telling it once and then expecting people to grasp it. In, I think in marketing, there's a rule of seven. You have to keep communicating it seven times before it sticks. Mm. So with a change story, it's a very useful way to help collect your thoughts. And um, But you need to keep reinforcing it. And I was working with a client um, that was heading up a... A customer experience center he had peers in the us and in emir and he was in singapore um, looking after the main customer experience center for asia Pac. and he used the change story, and he loved it he said yeah it really helped me do this to help me pull all the information together he said but you know people didn't ask many questions and you know there was sort of just sort of, i'd like to get them more involved so what we did and i said, well why don't we get them to write We'll get them together again and it was funny because i did this virtually about six o'clock in the morning and i had little little elves in the room that i'd recruited to say would you be my little elf and help help to hand out all the information and i facilitated it from here in the uk you know it worked really fabulous uh... so he presented the change story again the one that he created and then we said right here's your blank change story questions. Um, Now you create your change story based on what you know and understand today. And we got them working in this group and we said, use each other. Some of you might know more than others. So if you don't know the answer to the question, consult each other, help each other out. And, And they all then ended up creating their own change story, which was different from everybody else's but it was still true to what the change was all about. It wasn't a different story. Mm. It was just that that they were using using their own words. Mm. And what that enabled was that they could communicate to their clients, being the account managers who were booking these customer experiences, they were able to communicate to the account manager far more effectively, far more passionately, far more committedly, if that's a real word. Mm than if they were trying to relay the change story that the manager gave. So the power of being able to translate it and use it in your own words, the output of that was that they managed to deliver on the change eight weeks prior to the guys in the US and in EMEA. And they immediately improved their CSAT score from four out of five to 4.8. And that was because everybody was aligned but they were using their own words to describe it so the essence Mm -hmm. was still there the passion was still there um and somebody asked me a question the other day and said was it just so that they could communicate the change or was it so that they could influence the change and I went
0: yes and yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um I, and I just love that st- it's not story it's a true life story yeah
0: but but it's such a it's such a good example isn't it and it's you know again when when you think about the message in that it's um it's not surprising really because if you can explain something from your perspective using your language you know I always use a principle with power of ut- power of utilization so whatever someone brings to me I will use that with them so I, I, so I put my own language and concepts down, and pick up theirs. And if you, because it's joining them with where they're at, and then they get yeah. it. You and you, they feel heard. It builds rapport. It builds trust. And um, so it's so so important. So I love that that story. And I yeah. think, um, you know, I'm so aware that we we haven't discussed. You know, you've yeah, mentioned exactly. a couple of times alignment. Um, and actually, again, that's some of the stuff that we've worked on with clients around getting the leadership team aligned within their leadership team before you even start to do anything else with the rest of the organisation. We haven't discussed mergers and acquisitions, which is so relevant too. But with time, what I wanted to do is just to ask you, um, as we wrap up, what are sort of a couple of things that you would want people who are listening to this today to think differently or to do differently in that space around change? in the workplace?
1: I think there are two things.
0: The first one
1: is to acknowledge and to recognize that change equals threat equals stress. And if you acknowledge that, then you know that that's the impact it's going to have on on potentially you, but also the people around you. And then the other thing I'd like people to think about is those three elements of change. So, as a leader, it's important to balance the what's changing, or to, sorry, to pay balanced attention, equal attention to what's changing, either the tool itself or the process and so on. The who's changing, the emotion and commotion, the fear, the anxieties, the, pol- the politics. And the how you're going to get there. So contracting with your team. I know that's a coaching term, sorry. Partnering with your team Mm. to say, this is how we're going to work together. This is the journey we're going to go on. These are the milestones we're going to put in place. This is how we're going to support each other if something goes wrong. Whatever that looks like, Uh agreeing
0: Uh
1: how you're going to work together along the journey. How often you're going to meet make it a project
0: Mm.
1: but uh, balanced you don't sacrifice one or the other there has to be balance on all three
0: Mm. good advice and I think it's um I think so much of what you said today Amanda will make people think differently about how they engage with their own thinking about change their own relationship with it with how they engage people around them um i've really enjoyed this conversation thank you i have much. failed thank miserably you. at keeping under an hour i said i'm struggling to do that honestly and i and i just thought what? actually today was the wrong day to set myself the challenge of trying to get under an hour because when you and i get together we never are that succinct
1: <laughs> no, no i thought we did quite well today actually yeah, it's not
0: we're not we're not that bad um so before i let you go i've got a question that i want to ask you that um a recent guest of mine the amazing dave greenway has asked um so there's nothing to change this is just his his blind question to you what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to find meaning or purpose in their life Oh, don't be scared
1: it's 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 a message um i think when we struggle to find well when i struggle to find purpose or meaning in my life it means for me i'm at a a sort of an interchange that that there are potential new opportunities ahead i just don't know what they are yet so i think it's for me it's telling me to stop and stand still um and see what emerges don't be don't be scared it's an opportunity to try things out experiment get creative i'm going for um meeting somebody in a few weeks to go on a a, a sort of a walk a a picture, picture walk we're calling it and the pair of us are going to go on this sort of trail and we're going to take pictures and then we're going to look at the of nature and we're going to look at the pictures and we're going to attach meaning to them mm. you
0: know,
1: what made me want to take a picture of that what's this what am I sort of gaining from this or what am I sensing from this and how is it helping what how is it informing me mm. um, we don't know where it's going to go we're just going to try it out and see what happens so I think there's something nature we attract we're attracted to some elements of of nature and and it's a question so why is that Oh, it sounds a bit airy fairy
0: no i but love that it's such a good example
1: why not try it's about new purpose maybe you're getting a little bit in your comfort zone and it's your brain gut heart telling you hello mm. <laughs> yeah where are you going
0: <laughs> Love it. Amanda, I have so enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you, too, you Lisa. Very, very much. Thank you. Thank um, you we so will much. stick lots of things in the show notes so that people can go and check out a bit more about some of the stuff that you've put together and some of the um kind of references that you've mentioned. Um so just some things that might be useful for people to look at a little bit more if they want to. Think a bit more about change. Um, But I'm really grateful for you giving up your time. And um, I will speak to you again very soon on the other side.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and maybe we can do um, another one, like a shorter one, a follow-up one all around sort of the the world of mergers and acquisitions and uh, maybe.
0: That'd be good. You know what, we should get get, um, listeners, if they're interested in that, to contact you or I and say we would like that. Let's see what the interest is. That's a a nice, yeah, I like that. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Amanda. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining me on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. I hope it's got you thinking about how you can make a real difference to company culture that enables people to really engage and thrive. And now it's your turn to help me please Rating my podcast and leaving a review means that my guests' messages spread further. And when I know what you've enjoyed, found helpful, what you'd like to hear discussed more of in the future, and ideas for great guests, I can make sure I deliver. Let's continue the conversation about the points raised in this podcast. Or perhaps you have other questions about employee experience and performance. You can email me at it's time for change. Connect with me on LinkedIn or why not pick up the phone? I love to walk and talk. My details are all in the show notes. So until next time, bye for now.